Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Well, hey, thanks for joining us this morning. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians 3. This is a section of scripture written by the Apostle Paul, and it's called No Confidence in the Flesh. It says this, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard to you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons to have such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, and as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness on my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead, not that I have already attained it, this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining on toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm going to invite you to just pray with me a moment. Thank you so very much, Father, for the gift of your word. And now as we as we come under it, as we... As we, as we think through it, Lord, I pray uh, that the power of your spirit would, would enable us to capture that which you've captured us with the truth of your word and your gospel. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the concluding message of our wellness series, and um, I hope that you have enjoyed uh, these messages from Pastor Ryan and Pastor Shane um, as much as I have. What a blessing they are to us. My name is Steve Dice. I'm the senior pastor here at Tulare Community Church. The focus today is the mal, the nine malady of the soul. That is not feeling good enough, not doing enough, falling short, insufficiency. Many years ago, a politician came to my door. It's just down the street from where I stand right now. He wanted me to vote for him. Somewhere in his pitch, I'm not sure why, and I don't exactly remember uh, if I had told him I was a pastor, but he said, you know, I'm a good Christian. And then he, or he said, I'm a good Christian man. And then he went on to say, I'd sure appreciate uh, if you voted for me. 
Somehow he had concluded that he was doing enough, that he was measuring up. He was good enough. We see in our passage Paul addressing this very thing as well. His conclusion comes from the same source as the malady of insufficiency. Please join me today in allowing the gospel of Jesus Christ to comfort and heal our souls of this malady. An important distinction to remember is this. In general, religious thinking says this. I obey. I'm going to be good enough. I obey, therefore I'm accepted. So be good for goodness sake. The gospel of grace, on the other hand, the good news of Jesus is the other way around. I'm accepted in Christ, therefore I obey. Well, let's get back to our politician. Could I say what he said? Would I say, I'm a, I'm a good Christian man. Would you say that about yourself? I'm a good Christian person. I could think of it like Paul did. I was born to a multi-generational Christian family. I was baptized at Hanford Christian Reformed Church at eight weeks. Here's a photo. I was, it was with my cousins. You can kind of tell which one maybe went to the NBA by that picture. I attended Christian schools all through 12th grade, well, except for kindergarten. I prayed before most of my sporting events, but, you know, I never prayed to win, even though I wanted to win. Uh, I attended Christian university. I went to, uh, to Guatemala and was a mission teacher at a Christian school there. I taught at Central Valley Christian and coached there. I, I've been a pastor at Tulare Community Church here like, like forever. I mean, I could go on. Does this make me a good Christian? Is it, you know, is it like the Olympics? Is that a gold medal performance? Now, I would say to you, I would never say it, that I'm a good Christian. I mean, would you? Most of us probably not, because we were taught that you would never be proud and do that. But, you know, we, we might think it. I might think it at times, and and then on the other hand, very often feel very insufficient and not good enough and not measuring up. Ah, oh, man, both are wrong and burdensome. Like the prodigal son and his older brother both got it wrong. And so often our eyes are focused on, on the wrong thing, certainly the wrong person. In many ways, it's like when, as a young boy, I would watch the evening news during the Vietnam War. I was so into sports, so naively kept score by how many fatalities there were that day between the good guys and the bad guys. And it, it always seemed like, at least on TV, like we were winning. But in reality, oh my goodness, no one was winning. It was a war and people were dying. And in many ways, that is what's at stake in this malady of the soul. Because I know me, and you know you as well, we know our hearts, our, our thoughts, our tendencies, what makes us angry, even after a wonderful message on anger last week. You know, we see this heart matter in an interaction between Jesus and a rich young ruler. It is really a heart matter. In Luke 18, we have this account. A certain ruler asked him, that is Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? To which Jesus said, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. 
What a strange statement from Jesus. Jesus is absolutely good. He's perfectly good. But he recognizes this title from this man for what it is and just flattery. And Jesus drives this man's thoughts back to God. Only God is good. You know, Jesus was always sure that his own power and his own message came from came to him from God. I only do what I see my father doing. Jesus is completely humble. He's meek and and yet bold and brave and, and righteous. These all go together. And Jesus gets to the heart of the matter with the rich young man, as he does with us. He says, you have to keep all the commands, to which the young man brazenly says, well, I have done all that. And then Jesus gets to the heart and says, go sell everything. He gets to this man's little g God, to his affections, what was most important. And he will do that with us as well if we let him. You know, last week, Pastor Ryan introduced total depravity, and that is the doctrine that human nature is thoroughly corrupt and sinful as a result of the fall. It's a relevant doctrine today as well. Let me add to it with a quote from a a long ago dead uh, pastor, Jack Miller, who said this. He said, cheer up, cheer up. And you're probably wanting cheer up. What so far? It's not been very cheery. But he says, "Cheer up! You're a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine, and you're more loved than you have ever dared hope." Do you hear the gospel of grace in that statement? Oh, we need the power of the gospel, not only to save but also to transform and sanctify us from the inside out. Here's something that Pastor Tim Keller says. We never get beyond the gospel in our Christian life to something more advanced. The gospel is not the first step in a stairway of truths. Rather, it is more like the hub in a wheel of truth. The gospel is not just the ABCs of Christianity. It is the A to Z of Christianity. The gospel is not just the minimum required doctrine necessary to enter the kingdom, but the way we all make progress in the kingdom. We are not just justified by the gospel and and sanctified by obedience. The gospel is the way we grow and are renewed. It is the solution to each problem, the key to each closed door, the power through every barrier. It is... Very common, he says in the church, to think as follows. The gospel is for non-Christians. One needs it to be saved. But once saved, you grow through hard work and obedience. But this is a mistake. Both confession and hard work that is not arising from and in line with the gospel will not sanctify you. It will strangle you. Wow, what a... What a statement. It will strangle you. The gnawing malady of the soul of not feeling good enough, not doing enough, insufficiency. Paul, right in front of us, lives out the gospel in his life and teaches it to us today in our text. Remember, remember, despite all that he was doing and had done and all that he had suffered for the sake of Christ, Paul often refers to himself as like the worst of sinners. 
I mean, we can relate with Paul as he wrestles even within himself and again comes to the good news of Jesus. We have this in Romans 7 where he says this after talking about how he wants to do good, but he can't and he finds himself not doing what he wants to do. And he finally just concludes, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then verse 25, thanks be to God who delivered me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, the Apostle Paul so often shares his, his awe and love and amazement of Jesus for calling him and using him. I mean, do you have that sense at times too? Like, whoa, Lord, why? I, you're so good. You know, our text in verse 13 and 14 says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and then straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Did you get that? Paul's saying forget and then strain toward what is ahead. Press on toward the goal. Win the prize that God has called heavenward in Christ Jesus. It, 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 you know, it's already been won, he's saying. Well, let's follow Paul's lead. What to do about this malady? Well, the first thing he says is forget. Forgetting what is behind. Even, even the good stuff we've done. Well, you, you don't understand, Steve. It's, it's hard being so good. I look at others, I'm, I'm just so good. I, I get it. I get it. You found someone to compare yourself to. You know, Paul says, consider even the good stuff as rubbish. He's not saying it's rubbish, but just consider it rubbish that you and I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of our own, that comes from the law, from doing things right, but that is through faith in Christ. Well, for more of us, it's, I'm guessing, the greater challenge is not forgetting all the good stuff. It's really actually forgetting our failures. You and I so easily remember, you know, the stuff in our life, the failures, the falls, the miscues, the sin. You know, we also compare ourselves to others and, man, they're just so good so often. And, like, how do you measure up to that? And, indeed, comparison is so often the thief of joy. Well, in addition to that, we have an enemy, the accuser, who reminds us of our failures. He loves it when we get caught in shame and guilt and he pulls us down. To this, Paul reminds us, as he did to the church in Rome, Romans, Romans 8, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. It continues then in verse 31, as the gospel of grace is amplified for us. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave himself up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, 
is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of the sword as written for your sake? We face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, what a word. Like just the Apostle Paul, even understanding who is just like like the the, the truth of that that the the love of god that he then centers on so again when he's saying also cheer up in very small letters yeah you're a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine but in full capital bold letters he's also saying but you're more loved than you ever dared hope so paul says forget what's behind and then Strain toward what is ahead. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, so he's calling us actively pursue the truth and love of Jesus. Yield to the gospel. Receive the gospel. Respond to the gospel with your faith. You know, not with sloth, not sloth, not with mediocrity. I mean, sometimes when we hear, well, it's already been done, we think, well, I don't have to do anything. No, 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 that's not what the Apostle Paul is saying at all. He's using words like straining and pressing. You know, those are, those are training words. Those are exercising words. Those are the sorts of things that we do to stay physically healthy. And so spiritually also pursue, pursue this love. Jesus Pursue Jesus energetically and humbly and enthusiastically and and boldly. Yeah, no, we we haven't reached it yet. We'll fall. But what Paul is saying is, like, keep at it. Forget what's behind. Keep at it. Keep going forward. And this, he said, is going to be the blessed life. You see, Paul took Jesus at his word. And by the grace of God, we can too. Jesus who said, you know, not as an opinion, but as the word of truth in Matthew 5, he says, blessed are the meek, that is the humble, for they will inherit the earth. But even the, this meekness is not something we do on our own, but rather receive. Oh, friends, accept this invitation from Jesus in Matthew 11, where he continues this teaching on meekness, where he says, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, what burden? What burden do we have as a human race? Well, Friends, it's an altogether an interior one. It attacks our heart, it attacks our mind, and reaches our body only from within. The burden is pride, the labor of self-worship, the burden of pretense and artificiality, always feeling like we have to put on our best foot, put our best foot forward to be someone we're not, to measure up, to keep up. 
The burden has always been with mankind since the beginning. It's not just after the invention of social media. A.W. Tozer says this in his book entitled The Pursuit of God. The burden borne by mankind is a heavy and crushing thing. The word Jesus used means a load carried or toil borne to the point of exhaustion. Rest comes to us when we cease to do. His own meekness, that is the rest. You know, the, the cure for this gnawing malady of the soul, of not feeling good enough, not doing enough, is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We accept his invitation and, and come to him and, and release the weight. We simply agree with him. No, we're, we're not good enough. But you, you are Jesus, and I give my life to you. And then we allow his meekness to transform us into his likeness, and we find rest for our souls. Well, let me end with this prayer from A.W. Tozer. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, make me childlike. Deliver me from the urge to compete with another for a place of prestige or position. I would be simple and artless as a little child. Deliver me from pose and pretense. Forgive me for thinking of myself. Help me to forget myself and find my true peace in beholding thee. That thou may ask, mayest answer this prayer, I humble myself before you. Lay upon me the easy yoke of self-forgetfulness that through it I may find rest. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.